we began preaching on looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We began to say, labor not for the meat that perisheth, but for the meat that endureth unto eternal life. And then we got to this question of how does the Lord satisfy the soul of the Christian? Are you like these men walking at first in sadness and gloom? Is that your Christianity? Is that your experience of salvation? Is it just a head acceptance and you're now living on the fumes of Christian tradition? Certainly wasn't the experience of these men after they had walked with the Lord and after he had opened their eyes and revealed these things to them. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak, and it is a great joy to me, Ian Gulliher, pastor of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale, to minister the Lord's Word again to you, wherever you may be. And I appreciate this opportunity by radio just to speak to you as one-to-one the message of the Lord today. We'll be opening our Bibles at Christ our Prophet. There are three offices that are assigned to the Lord Jesus, prophet, priest, and king. In the office of prophet, he is to reveal the Father. And that's the burden of the message today as we come to this subject. So I trust you'll stay tuned as we deal with this today. Then we have a closing excerpt on righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we are back to do the subject of abortion. I trust that God may deliver this nation from the great ongoing daily crime of abortion in this land. We've learned that annually 100,000 children are ripped from their mother's wombs by whatever means in hospital or clinic abortions. These are the registered abortions that we know about, and there may well be many more. Out of every three children that are born live and cared for, one is killed in the womb. I can't put it any other way, because we're going to learn today that life begins at conception. Life begins at fertilization of the egg. There is no other point on the spectrum of gestation when life commences. Take that to heart today and let that stick in your mind and heart. Stay tuned with us as we now come to our message and then to that excerpt on abortion. Luke 24, that passage which we read together earlier. And I want us to think about these men on the road to Emmaus. One of them's name is Cleopas. It was a lonely walk, wasn't it? And it was a sad walk until this stranger walked with them. And what a scene on this road to Emmaus, a local area. It's not going to be a long walk. But it was a difficult walk because of all the events, the death of the Lord Jesus. And they expressed the reason of their sadness that the one that they had hoped would redeem Israel is now dead. And they thought all hope was gone. Then, of course, uh, the conversation got going with this stranger. 
and he noted the sadness of their countenance. He noted how they were downcast. There was misery written all over their faces as they walked together. And we are told that their eyes were holden. They didn't recognize the Lord at this point. Uh, the Lord has the power to do that. He can cause us to miss things as well as to see things. And these men didn't recognize who this was for a time. And as they went along and spoke of their dismal future and their confusion of mind and heart, of the darkness that gripped them at that point, uh, the Lord just spoke up and he said, Oh, fools! Oh, fools! And then he began to minister to them, O oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered and to enter into his glory? And then began the Bible lesson of all Bible lessons. The Lord began at Moses way back in those first five books of the, the Bible. And he began to expound to them the things concerning Christ, concerning himself, it says. And then when they got to the village of Emmaus and the Lord was as pressing on, they constrained him and said, stay with us and, and come with us. And then they began to dine together. And it was, was while they were eating and drinking that their eyes were opened they were no longer holden. Their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and they knew him. Oh, what a walk and what a talk that was. If you had asked these two men, when their eyes were opened now, after that interview and the discovery of all the things they learned in that Bible lesson of all Bible lessons, are your hearts satisfied? Are you satisfied with your Savior? The answer, no doubt, would have been absolutely yes. Because they said, did not our hearts burn within us while they talked with us by the way? They had this inner experience of delight, a joy, a feeling of heavenly blessing, which they described as heartburn. Now, heartburn to us is usually an acid problem, something going on within our upper stomach that is sorely affecting our digestive system, and it's a problem. But these men had this spiritual heartburn. They were, they were illuminated spiritually, and they were animated in person, and they were filled with the deepest sense of the blessing of the Lord. Their answer would have been, oh, yes, we're satisfied with the Lord Jesus. It's that question about being satisfied in Christ that got us into this series that we're now on, on the prophet, priest, and king. We began preaching on looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We began to say, labor not for the meat that perisheth, but for the meat that endureth unto eternal life. And then we got to this question of how does the Lord satisfy the soul of the Christian? Are you like these men walking at first in sadness and gloom? Is that your Christianity? Is that your experience of salvation? Is it just a head 
acceptance, and you're now living on the fumes of Christian tradition. Certainly wasn't the experience of these men after they had walked with the Lord and after He had opened their eyes and revealed these things to them. Now, you may say, but this is a very unique experience. These men have just had a physical contact with Jesus. Uh, we can't expect that as Christians now. Well, what about Job? What about the Old Testament saint Job? Did he not say, I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. And that was after a long hardship and difficulty, and those things that did him good and brought him to the place of blessing. Now, in general terms, the preaching of the gospel is called opening the eyes of the blind. That's what it is about. When Paul the apostle was called to be an apostle, he was called to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. There are many passages, of course, that talk about the spiritual blindness of the natural man, the inability to receive spiritual things. And yes, we by nature, our eyes are holden, as these men experienced. Our eyes are dim. When Paul the apostle was converted, he said that the skills came off his eyes. He thereafter was living in a new world, a new dimension. All things had passed away, and all things had become new. Now, this is what has to happen. We need to be brought into a true experiential, a heart knowledge of the living God. If you don't have that, you're not a Christian. If you do not know the true God by an experience through grace in the Lord Jesus, you may be a student of these things, but you are not born of the Spirit and made anew. In John 17, the Lord Jesus said, This is eternal life, to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's what the gospel is, to know the true God. Paul spoke highly of this knowledge. He said, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus my Lord. He would give up everything. He gave up his heritage. He counted everything, he said, but dung. He said everything else has no value in comparison to the knowledge, the knowing, the experiencing, the enjoyment, the satisfaction that is in the Lord Jesus. Now, how does this happen? We know that it's not natural. We know that it is not by a ritual. It's not some external thing. It has to be something of a spiritual revelation. The light has to come on in our hearts and minds. And how does this happen? Well, this is the ministry of Christ as the prophet of the covenant of grace. I want you to notice something in Luke 24, verse 19, that the Lord Jesus was expected to be by these two men, while their eyes were holden, while they were walking together in misery, they replied, 
they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Now, that's the prophet that was promised. He was promised in the Old Testament. He was promised in the life of David, who typified the one who would be the prophet. Indeed, all the prophets of the Old Testament were little pictures or types of the great prophet that is to come. He is the prophet who will reveal the Father and reveal spiritual things to men. Now, that much these two men got right, even in their misery. Their expectations had been right, that God would send a wonderful prophet or teacher and there he was, and their eyes were holding to him. And then they had that beautiful Bible lesson, and their eyes were opened, and the heart burned. And so what happened to these men is really the ministry of Christ as the prophet. And that is one of his offices in the covenant of grace. Now, just in case you're not familiar with the gospel as the covenant of grace. Let me give you a little sketch. Before God created the world or created man, he determined in heaven that he would save a people from their sins. And the Father gave a mission to his Son. And he said, I need someone to go down into the world to bring hope to a darkened people and save them from their sin. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, said, Father, I will go. And they made a covenant called the covenant of grace. It is an eternal covenant. It's described in the Bible as an everlasting covenant. It's also described as a covenant of peace because it is to reconcile men back to God to know him and fellowship with him. Jesus said, I will go and I will fulfill every work, every obligation demanded of me as a redeemer to save the people whom you give me. And I will be their prophet. I will be their priest. That's next week's sermon. And I will be their king. That's the following week's sermon. At least that's the plan. Today we're looking at Christ as the prophet, the teacher who is come. Now, let me get you to good sound theology here. And I want to read to you the question, the shorter catechism, what offices does Christ execute as our Redeemer? That's question 23 in the shorter catechism, and it says, Christ as our Redeemer executeth the offices of a prophet, of a priest, and of a king, both in his humiliation and exaltation. Now, humiliation, that's from his birth to his resurrection. Then Jesus rose in power and glory, ascended into heaven. And the point to note that in his exaltation, Jesus is now fulfilling the office of priest, prophet, priest, and king, all three roles. He is now enlightening men with his grace and the gospel. He is now praying for them as their priest. 
He is now ruling as a king, not politically, but in the hearts of men. And this work Jesus is doing right now, today, and around the world, the Lord is building his church. And in doing so, he is revealing the Father, and he's revealing the gospel to unite men to faith in himself. Now, the question then is, how doth Christ execute the office of a prophet? And the answer in the catechism is this, Christ executeth the office of a prophet in revealing to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. So what Bible text would go along with that? Let's go to John 1, verse 18. That's right close by here. John 1, 18. Here is Jesus working as the prophet to reveal the Father. John 1, 18. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. And Jesus came into the world to be the revealer of the Father. He is the Logos, the Word. And the whole life ministry of the Lord Jesus is to bring the knowledge of God, the will of God, down to the level of men and to minister to their hearts by the power of his Spirit. And that is why in Luke 24, the Lord opened the eyes of these two men to the Scriptures. He was exercising his ministry as prophet to teach. And he not only teaches with words, but he gives understanding. He takes away the scales of the eyes. He takes away the spiritual blindness. And he enables a sinner to behold the glory, the wonders of God, of grace, and of the whole plan of salvation. And that's how come these men had spiritual heartburn. That's the joy that was in their souls. They had things open to them, a comprehension given to them, and they knew they had just met the living Savior, not dead, but alive. And they had all of this explained to them right out of the Scriptures. Now, that has been a long introduction, but I thought it was a necessary one, because what we want to look at now in the time remaining is the specifics of the ministry of Christ as a prophet to teach. And really, there are three things. He opens the eyes, or he reveals the Father. He also opens our eyes to ourselves. That's our sin. And he opens our eyes to the Scriptures, the Word of God. Jesus never led people away from the Bible. The New Testament is not a new version of a new gospel. Rather, it was building upon the revelation of the one gospel that God has given from the beginning and shall be to the end of the world. Now, we're going to do a little bit of Bible study here. That's what the Lord did. To, he explained to them the Scriptures. And if my ministry is going to be anything like the Lord Jesus, you would expect me 
to ask you to use your Bible. If I don't do that, you would say, well, you're not preaching the way the Lord did. And you would say, you're not really a minister of Christ. You're a minister of your own opinion. And so I am mandated here by the Lord to be a good minister of Jesus Christ and do what he did. Show you from the Scriptures, the Bible, these great and wonderful truths. So, the first work of the prophet is to reveal the Father. Let's turn to John 17 again. John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. You want to know eternal life? You've got to know God. You've got to know who he is, what his nature is, what his character is. And the only true God. Oh, what a revelation that is. Here now, Christianity is unique. Christianity is special. We are not into comparative religious studies. We are not lining up this God and that God and the other God and seeing where they meet. No, there is only one living and true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now, in this work of a prophet, you'll notice on down verse 6, where the Lord said, I have manifested thy name. Now, the word manifest nearly means to expound or to set forth. I have set forth thy name. I have made clear to the world thy name. This is now at the close of his ministry. For three years of preaching, what was Jesus doing? Three years of miracles, three years of discipling his disciples. What was he doing? He was revealing the Father. And in doing that, he was acting in his work as a prophet. Because Jesus said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and we come now to a little feature on Righteousness Exalted the Nation. And today we want to deal with abortion. In the Canadian courts, there was a recent case of a mother who gave birth but concealed the newborn child. The consequences of the ruling are unclear. The trial judge was especially bothered that he could not identify the moment of the gestational spectrum when a fetus becomes the body of a child for the purpose of this law against concealing. Tried under the law that bans concealing the body of a child with intent to conceal its birth, regardless of whether it died before, during, or after birth, she was acquitted because the Crown had no evidence about when the baby girl actually died. A judge struck out the possibility of a child that died before birth, leaving the Crown unable to prove that she died during or after Indeed, forensics could only determine the baby was at or near full term. In April 2006, when a building superintendent discovered it, wrapped in towels in a garbage bag on the balcony of a Mississauga, Ontario apartment, vacated by someone close by. This only goes to show the terrible mess our legislators are in regarding abortion. Some will argue that a fetus is not a human in the womb at all, or 
not until the second or third trimester of gestation. That is, until a mother who wants her baby to live is injured by an assailant or is in a car accident and the insurance company is sued for the loss of the child. There are cases where a hospital has been sued for malpractice leading to the loss of a child's life while in the womb. Drug companies can also be sued for malpractice for not warning of harm to pregnant mothers and their unborn children. The whole legal issue is a mess, for it is morally bankrupt in its approach. The Bible is very clear that life begins at conception. In the Psalm 139.14, we read, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth it right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members are written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Now this statement uh, thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect, is somewhat obscure, but the idea in this expression clearly is, before I had shape or form, thou didst see what I was to be. The single word in the original translated my substance being unperfect, it occurs only in this place, though the verb galam is found in Second Kings 8 where it is used in reference to the mantle of Elijah. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together. That is, he rolled it up or he folded it. The noun then means that which is rolled or wrapped together, that which is folded up. And hence it is applicable where all the members of the body as yet are undeveloped. That is, before they have assumed their distinct form and proportions. This is undoubtedly the idea here. Before the embryo had any such form that its future size, shape, or proportions could be marked by the eye of man, it was clearly and distinctly known by God. And in thy book, where thou recordest all things, perhaps the allusion here would be to the book of an architect or a draftsman, who before his work is begun draws his plan or sketches it for the direction of the workmen. Oh, that the judges of our land would take heed to what the Bible says concerning the commencement of life in the womb at the point of conception or fertilization. That's the critical point where life begins, and it solves the issues. And I trust that today that you will take heed that life is sacred, life begins at conception, and we are each created in the image of God, and therefore to take that life is indeed a horrendous crime. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.